everyone. John Otterstead, Bobby Darren for the Scarlet Nation podcast, episode 17. Today we have a bunch of things to talk about, including the Michigan State game. We'll be talking about draft eligible players, uh, the team, quarterback position, and more. But I really want to get to the news of the day. I know he's not been the Rutgers coach for a while, but Greg Schiano is someone who always elicits a response no matter when he's brought up. And today he is making headlines for the in again, on again, off again relationship between him and the University of Tennessee. As of the moment, at this moment right now, it is off and it is a major issue. Bobby Darren, talk to me about Greg Schiano and Tennessee. Did you ever see this as being a possibility, not just at Tennessee, but perhaps at any major university? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I covered the team for five years and and we were allowed in every practice during the spring, summer and during the season, um, with the exception of a couple during the season. But, you know, being around Greg, I, you know, wasn't a guy that I'm going to go have beers with every night of the week. But, um, you know, you had to respect his work ethic and what he did and what he built. And um, he, he rebuilt Rutgers. And I think he has evolved over the years as a coach, too. His stint in the NFL, I think he really learned from his time at Tampa Bay and, and then going and coaching under Urban Meyer. I, I think he's primed for success at this next run, uh, wherever it may be in college. Um, at first, I, I was a, a little uncertain if Tennessee would go after him. But when they did, it wasn't surprising. Uh, what was surprising is, is what happened down there with that fan base. Right. For those of you who might not know, but I'm sure you do know, there was an unbelievable backlash from the moment Shiano's name came out. It was basically an anything but Greg Shiano mantra that was going by. There was a demonstration at the school. I heard people were defacing part of the school. I guess there's some type of, I don't know, was it a rock or something that they were drawing on and basically bringing back some talk of Shiano's days at Penn State. I guess there's a line of belief out there that Shiano knew what was going on um, during the entire scandal situation. Um, That's not for us to say right here. I have no idea, but the fact is it was used as a reason for not hiring him. Bobby, do you think that was the reason or do you think that's just something the fans brought up to have the school stay away from a coach that perhaps they felt wasn't worthy of their institution? Yeah, for whatever reason, I think they didn't want him. Now, to bring all the, those issues with, with the Sandusky thing, now, if it was such a, a big issue and they were so concerned about it, why did it take until today for them to voice any opinion on the matter? You know, I think that's just an excuse. They didn't want him. You know, the Tennessee, I don't know. They think they're, they're worthy of getting anybody they want, but this team really hasn't been relevant to SEC for a while. You know, it, it's it's kind of like that. That <laughs> if I want to use an analogy, it's like dating that very beautiful girl who is a little bit crazy. You know, you put up with her because she's so beautiful. You know, Tennessee hasn't been beautiful for a while uh, in comparison. So um, do you really want to put up with that? I think Greg lucked out in, in seeing what he was getting into, because I, I, there's nothing you can really say about that kind of backlash. And these students were out there protesting like like, uh, you know, nothing I've ever seen. Right. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Although Tennessee is probably a big name on the college landscape in the grand scheme of things in this, what have you done for me lately society? Um, you know, if you ask my children who age range from 13 to 18, they would tell you that Tennessee is a nobody. And I don't, I'm not saying I would correct them and I'd say, Hey, look at this is a, a former strong program. But I think, you know, just from what I read, I read was peaking on 
Rivals.com's Tennessee's message board. And man, these guys thought that they were getting a turd in Greg Schiano and somebody who was going to drag their program down even further. And the talk was, this was before they started talking about the Penn state stuff. Um, I don't really know if this is a program that could be demanding a top, top coach. Obviously they've been, the, the program has been open for a short time now. No one's really taking a look at them. Uh, Chip Kelly goes down to UCLA I'm sure they're feeling the heat. I don't know who they're going to end up getting, but I did have to laugh a little bit when I saw the responses in response to Shiano's um, courtship of the program. You know, and, and they really are, are they're doing themselves in because who really is going to want to come down to coach after that? Now, they might not give them the same treatment initially, but, you, you know, you jaywalk it and they might be on you. You never know what's going to happen. So if I'm a coach and I have options, I'm not looking at Knoxville as one of them. it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things. I'm sure the fans saw it as we have to do something to stop this program from taking Greg Schiano. Whether they're right or wrong in that is, you know, not for me to say. But, man, if you're another coach thinking of going there, you're going to have to think long and hard about whether you're willing to to put up with a fan base that would run someone out like that. Yeah, I mean, after seeing all that stuff, I don't even want to drive through the state next year (laughs) when I make a trip down south. You know, I'm going to go around it, maybe make a detour. You know, I didn't really think of Shiano as garnering that type of interest in the first place. So on that level, I have to agree with them because to me, Shiano is a more of a guy you're going to send into a bad situation. And maybe some would think that Shiano was, a, uh, excuse me, Tennessee was a bad situation, but I don't see it as the type of clean up in aisle eight that Rutgers was when he got there. My impression, if someone were to ask me, and I actually waited around all day for our Tennessee publisher to call us. um, And I think he knew that something else was going on. And that's why he was searching for other stories. But if he had called me, I was going to say, look it, I don't think Shiano is the guy who's going to take you to the top of the SEC. He'll take you from the bottom to the middle, maybe from the middle to the top third, but he's not going to take you to where they want to be. I know this is a fan base that anything less than competing with the Georgias and the Alabamas and Auburns that's failure to them. And from Rutgers, uh, ex- with Rutgers' experience with Greg Schiano, I don't, you know, he couldn't even win the Big East back when he was coaching there. He couldn't defeat West Virginia. I don't see him beating Saban in Alabama. What about you? You know, um, I think, you know, I, I'd be curious to see because I do think Greg has evolved as a coach. One of the things that he's always done. excuse me, is he's, you know, always looking to learn new things and and be more innovative. And I think as you get older, you start to accept a little more. And and I don't think he is the same coach he was when he got to Rutgers. So I I would be curious to see how that played out. Um, Hey, Bobby, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what evidence do you have to say that he's not the same coach he was when he got to Rutgers? Because he was that same guy up until his last day at Rutgers. And so I guess you'd have to be just judging from the fact that he was a little humbled from going the pro yes, route. Yes, the, the whole the whole going the pro route and getting fired. I, I think it was a learning experience and a humbling experience for him. You would so you um, would think it would be for you, but do you really think it for everything that you know about Greg? Is he <laughs> the guy who's going to be humbled by anything? Well, maybe not as humbled as the next guy, but I do think it was a little humbling, and even this is a little humbling. I mean, look his his name is all across social media with, with these negative implications. So you know, people that don't know the situation. 
they, they might, you know, be curious. And, and I think this is, this is definitely something that will affect him. Um, but he wants a head coaching job. And knowing him, like you said, with the, with the ego type thing, he definitely wants his own program. He wants to, you know, kind of erase the memory of, of Tampa Bay as a head coach, you know, when, when things just went south. So um, I would be curious to see how he does the second time around. If I were him, now granted, you can't turn down this opportunity because this was almost a huge payday. But in terms of perception, he probably should have waited one more year or actually, I don't know, until Ohio State had another big, big season. So say Ohio State went on a run to close this season. They win a national Mm -hmm. championship, which I don't see happening, but say they did. His star rises again. If they have that run next year, his star rises again. But right now, I think people look at him, they say, all right, Ohio State defensive coordinator. Uh, They haven't done a whole lot since he got there. And then he was at Rutgers and failed at Tampa Bay. I don't, I don't quite know if that's the sexy hire that a school like Tennessee is looking for. And I'm not saying whether they should, maybe he is the best that they can get and they should be happy to get him, but I could see Mm -hmm. why their fan base would be hoping for something better. But I think the longer he waits, the more his stock drops. You know, uh, he's not getting any younger. Um, there, there seems to be a new trend towards hiring younger coaches. And I think every year he sits out, his stock drops less and less. Um, you know, if you wait in another year, say Ohio State doesn't have a good year, say Urban Meyer decides I've had enough and leaves, uh, there's a lot of um, hypotheticals you'd have to explore. So I, I think it was a good decision on his part. I mean, it's a head coaching job in an SEC school. Um I don't blame him for trying to take it, but, um, you know, I don't think waiting around is his best option at this point. Can you imagine that feeling when he realized today that he was not going to end up as their coach, knowing the amount of money he was in line to make over the next few years, and then suddenly watching that all disappear? That had to have been a low, low point in his life. <laughs> well, I think not and only. I, and you know what? I hate to laugh see. about this. You know what? This is a guy's life, so I, I apologize for making light of it, but it's you know, it, it's, well, I, it's I, almost unfathomable. I think it's not just the payday, but it's everything that went along with it. You're seeing people protesting your mere presence. I mean, that's got to hit you. I don't care who you are. You know, these people don't want you in their state. There was one coffee shop that said he wasn't allowed in there. They don't even know the man. But um, I think it might be a blessing in disguise for him because this is what kind of fan base he's dealing with. If, if the results, if the results uh, don't come immediately. You know, he could have been in for a nightmare situation. And you have to remember, too, he moves his family there, his, his wife there, his kids live there. Um, what kind of environment is that going to be with these crazy fans? Yep. All right, let's get back to Rutgers. It's the more important topic of the day. Tough loss, 40-7 to to Michigan State yesterday. I know the fans want to forget and move on. I guess part of forgetting and moving on is also doing a little bit of reflection. So, Bobby, what did we learn about Rutgers in this game against Michigan State? Well, you know, this was – it wasn't really a surprise, I think, because, you know, the team was, was kind of drained coming in at this point, and, and uh, there wasn't any bowl game on the line. I think, you know, the air was kind of siphoned out of the team early with the turnover, um, the early scores. This this isn't a team that can play from behind. So if, if they get down early, um, it's not going to be a pretty thing. Um, you know, the, the year, though, was um, – there were a lot of positives and, and it's, it's a rebuild. It's a, it's a process and it's going to take time. And I think going from that two and 10 season to a season where they went four and eight and won three big 10 games is a step forward. So you have to look at the positives of who's coming back. Uh, you only lose three senior starters. Um, 
you know, get some some decent recruits coming in. And, and I, I think the future looks bright. Now, they still have to correct all those offensive problems, but you are seeing progress in year two of the Chris Ash era. Now, I have to admit, if you asked me a week ago to say where Rutgers was ranked in the national offensive polls, or not polls, the statistical leaderboards, I would have said Rutgers had made a, a nice jump from the previous year before. Obviously not in the, in the top half, probably still down in the bottom quarter. But I didn't realize that statistically Rutgers was no better this year than last year on the offensive side of the ball. Does that surprise you? I mean, I, I guess people were expecting maybe not a whole lot of change, but maybe a little bit of change. Well, I mean, there was change, but I think a lot of you have to look at a lot of the game plans. This is a team that didn't try and throw the ball downfield much. It, it just wanted to control the ball and, and, and keep games close. And, and it wasn't a team that took a lot of chances. So you, you don't really have those running backs who are going to make 80 yard runs on a consistent basis. You know, they'll break one here and there, but not that game breaker like a Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, so you look at the numbers and they played within within that game plan. The plan was not to stretch the field, was not to to go for those big shots. The plan was to keep the game close and try to win ugly. And, and those numbers are reflective of that entire game plan. <laughs> that last sentence was on target, man. They tried to win ugly and it was ugly. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat. I mean, yesterday they sat, or Saturday night, if, if you're listening to this on Monday, um, they set the record for fewest time or fewest minutes of possession in, in a game, 12 minutes and 10 seconds. Um, they tried to throw the ball last night, and, and you can see why they didn't before, because uh, they couldn't keep the ball. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that throwing of the ball in the quarterback position, because now we've talked about this a lot. Is it the quarterback? Is it the offensive line? Is it the running backs? Is it the receivers? Is it a mix of everything? Is it the play calling? For right now, let's just focus on the quarterback position because even if the wide receivers are the major, major issue, the quarterback position is still a major issue itself. Mm-hmm. So, or if the if the play calling is a major issue, there has to be improvement at that quarterback position. And I just want you know, did we learn anything about that battle next year, last night, or in the last few games? Well, I mean, look, they showed last night that they're willing to look at Jonathan Lewis for the future. Uh, Gio got four plays, and the last play he, he, he was in on, he threw a pass to Jerome Washington, which was a nice pass. Jerome just dropped it. Boom, he was out of the game. Yeah, so that didn't make they, sense, by the way, the timing of they, pulling They out. went in looking to play Jonathan Lewis, trying to provide some kind of spark. And he struggled last night. Last night I asked him about it. He, you know, he said, you know, that wasn't a great performance. It was one of his worst. Um, but, you know, he's still a freshman. He doesn't have a, a lot of cumulative reps. It looked like a lot of the plays were designed to go to one receiver. Guys weren't always getting open. But even a couple of his completions weren't the best thrown balls. So I, I think that was more of a learning experience. But you could see the one thing they were afraid of to put him in during the season was that he would throw interceptions and that didn't jive with that game plan of protecting the football, controlling the clock, just trying to win ugly, so to speak. Those interceptions would have would have set things in a whole different trajectory. So, uh, you know, I, what do you think of him for the future? You know, he still needs to develop. Um, there's going to be competition in the spring. So um, I, I think he's got a good shot of, 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 you know, emerging as the one of the front runners in the spring. But it's all up to him. Yeah, I was intrigued by him coming out. I sometimes felt bad posting on the message board that I just felt his 
accuracy was nowhere near what you'd be looking for for a college starter. Um, I pointed out on the board that he almost didn't start for his high school team his senior year, that he is a guy who made three stars based upon the fact that he's a mature kid. He looks great in shorts and a T-shirt in terms of his physical, uh, his physique. Uh, He's strong. He's fast. He throws a really hard ball. He's got a strong arm. But, you know, he never showed it on the field yet. And that takes time. It takes development. He is a raw player who his best days are ahead of him. I don't mean to say that he can't be a Division I Big Ten starting quarterback. In fact, I love the idea of this kid. I think he brings a lot to the table. But I just feel bad that he had to even just see the field at all this year. I would have loved to have seen a red shirt. Would have liked to have seen them brought bring him on slowly and him be one of those guys, maybe his red shirt sophomore year, maybe even his red shirt junior year comes on and people go, whoa, why weren't we playing this guy sooner? I hate that he goes into the offseason this year with a portion of the fan base thinking that he is not the answer for them in the future. What do you think? You know, and you also have to point out he, he had an ankle injury midseason, which kind of, you know, thwarted his progress. But there's a lot to take in as a quarterback at the, the college level after playing at the high school level. And Jerry Kill said he wished he had him there since, um, you know, January as an early enrollee. So that wasn't going to help. Oh, you don't think it would have helped? No way. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> you saw him throw in last year. That wasn't going to help. Yeah. And I like the kid. I wish it the best for him. Good kid from a good family. It, this was not his year. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's something to be said, a redshirted guy. But I think in the coaching staff's mind that they were hoping that he could develop and maybe take over that job mid to late season. But that seemed to be the same sentiment last year with the guy named Tyler, Tylen Odin. So that didn't work out too well. So I don't know. Do they learn from the past? Um, how does this benefit Jonathan going forward? These are all questions we can't answer right now. We can, you know, talk back and forth and hypothesize on it. But um you know, how will it benefit him? We'll see uh, over the summer and, and into the start of next season. Now, looking at next season, fans are talking about, obviously, the two players in the program right now who saw the field this year. There's some talk of incoming Arthur Sitowski, four-star quarterback at an IMG Academy, formerly out of New Jersey. Uh, there's Jalen Chapman, who's a three-star quarterback out of uh, California. He's not really getting much conversational. I read a couple of articles from the other beat writers today. Didn't mention him. Uh, Doesn't mention Tom Flacco, who's a Western Michigan transfer, who's currently on the Rutgers squad sitting out as per transfer rules. You know, that there are a lot of players to choose from. My first question to you, why is no one talking about Tom Flacco, who saw the field as a true freshman at Western Michigan, and Jalen Chapman, who... You know, I I have some air. I'm not quite sure about his arm strength, but he definitely, if you look at his highlight film, the kid makes plays. Well, I, I tell you, not, I wouldn't say not everybody's talking about Tom Flacco. Uh, Jerry Kill has mentioned him on multiple occasions. Um, no need to, but has, has thrown him in there. Wasn't asked about him, and but referenced him. So it's interesting you bring him up because I think that's a guy to watch in the spring is kind of a sleeper. And um, Jalen Chapman, uh, you know, I saw him on the field last night after the game. I can see why his recruitment was slow. He's just, he just doesn't have the height. I mean, he's lucky if he uh, six foot might be generous. Um, But, you know, does that mean he can't play the position? No, Uh, but it's a reason why he was overlooked by a lot of other schools. Cause as you know, the measurables play a big part in the recruiting process. 
Yeah, I am guilty, and I would say guilty, but I'm the one who has been hyping up Satowski for a few years now after I saw him at a combine because he does throw one of the nicest balls I've seen out of a New Jersey kid in a long time. But, you know, I keep going back to that point that, you know, he has yet to nail it at the high school level to the point where, for some of you who might not follow him, this year he lost his starting job down at IMG to their backup quarterback who is actually going to walk on at the University of Minnesota. So it's not like he lost it to a another four-star guy. I When I look at who I want to get a look next year, I want Satowski to get a look because, man, if you can mold him and turn him into the player that his physical skills suggest that he can be, you have an NFL player right there. But Tom Flacco had a great high school career. He played as a freshman at Western Michigan. I'd like to see him get a look. Chapman, you say he's small. I, I totally understand that. But he's had a nice high school career. He's gotten it done on the field. Uh, you know, this is going to be a very interesting quarterback competition. Yeah, and then, you know, you still have Gio Garcino in, in his consideration, a guy who started the majority of games this year. I think we all know his limitations, but he's a guy that's going to come in and, and be part of the competition as well. So, I mean, there will be a, a lot of players. And you have to think, uh, you know, one of those guys is going to get it. It's going to click. Um We've seen a lot of bad quarterbacking in the past. So uh, I guess the hope is to just have those guys compete and, and make each other one, make each other better with that competition. And, and hopefully one of them, it'll just click for it and, and they'll be able to, uh, to really resurrect this offense. Now it's my understanding that the person handling quarterback development over the past year has been the offensive coordinator, Jerry kill. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to say how good of a job he's done in that realm because he hasn't had a whole lot of time to do it so for example uh jonathan lewis has only been here for a few months at this point so he hasn't really had a lot of time to be developed there's some talk of when this uh there's going to be another coach approved so the addition of another assistant the ncaa is going to approve that shortly um there's some talk of that person being a quarterback's coach do you think that's going to happen i think if it doesn't it's a huge mistake because quarterback is unquestionably your most important position on the team. And if you don't have someone specifically coaching them, what good is it if you have great tight ends, great wide receivers, if you don't have anybody that can get them the football? So I don't know, you know, exactly who's going to be that coach. But if, if, if Chris Ash goes another way and doesn't have a quarterback coach, I think it's a huge, huge, huge mistake. Yeah. Any guys on the forefront who you think Rutgers might bring in in that regard? We're going to come out with a list shortly, but um, there are some guys that have coached with Jerry Kill before that are interesting choices. And uh, we're going to put out a board in a little bit of those guys, you know, and when you mention the guys, you have to mention Midday Williams in state just because of what he's done and his reputation, his marquee value, um, you know, but we'll, we'll definitely have a list together for you on those guys. All right. Well, before we go, I want to just take a moment and, Look at Rutgers players in the upcoming draft. Um, first of all, let's just talk about players leaving early. Who do you see leaving early to enter the draft? Well, the first name that comes to mind is Tariq Cole. Um, I, I'm not saying he's definitely going to, but it's something he's going to seriously consider. I, I think he's going to explore his options and see maybe where he might fall in the draft. And I think that's a guy that could go either way. Personally, I think he could benefit for another year uh, coming back and, and, and kind of fine-tuning his game a little bit. But, you know, some of these guys, you know, they have so many years to, to, to make a living in the NFL. And 
I think if he, if he hears back uh, feedback that, that says he can get a decent draft grade mid-round pick or something, uh, I, I think there is a chance he could bolt for the, uh, for the NFL. Anyone yeah, else? There's, uh, there's actually uh, quite a few. Uh, you know, you have uh, Jerome uh, Washington, who I, I tried to talk to about it. He did not want to talk anything about it last week. Um, you know, he had a good year as a tight end, and as a tight end, you don't need 90 catches to be uh, a top pick. Um, Tyler Croft went third round, and he had 40-some catches, uh, led the team. Jerome Washington led the team this year, not quite as many, but had a good year, and I think that's something he's going to consider too. Um, you know, has one more year left, but I, I think it's the same situation. He'll submit his name for a grade, and depending upon what he hears, um, you could see him gone as well. And, and you know, I, I'd say small chance Blisson Austin leaves, but I, I think the injury is really going to have him coming back. But, again, if he hears from a team that he could go second round with the injury, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he left. But I would say that the odds on favor to leave would be uh, Tariq Cole and then, you know, Slightly behind him would be Jerome Washington, and then Bless would be very low. Well, in a future episode, we're going to go further in depth on the other players who have a chance of seniors of, you know, getting drafted or being picked up by. Yeah, there's quite a few. But I'm going to just name some. There's names. quite a few this year. Yeah, there's quite a few, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to name them, and I want you to tell me who you think has the best shot of not only making it to the NFL, but still being there three, four years from now. So I'm going to name. Grant, Ture, Edwards, Martin, Mitchell, Anderson. If you were to pick one, he's your guy that we'll be seeing him on that Knights in the NFL video during a timeout at a future Rutgers game three, four years from now. I would go with Kamoko Ture because, I mean, you see, you know, last, you know, on Saturday night, he had 10 tackles, one and a half sacks. I mean, the guy can play when he's healthy. Um, Teams are going to be intrigued by him. I think his will all come down to how he fares in the medical evaluations and based on that I would have to put Ryan Anderson as 1B because um, he has an NFL uh, leg and if he can find somewhere to stick as a punter I think he could have a very long career in the NFL but I would go a a Toure as one and I think his whole future depends on how he checks out medically if he gets a combine invite I I see that being the, the determining factor not so much what he runs in a 40 what he jumps or benches but what they find in the medical evaluations because the NFL combine, these guys spend most of their time there in one of the nearby hospitals, um, you know, getting evaluated. And I'm sure any team with any kind of interest in Kamoko is going to order a myriad of tests on him just to find out, you know, what his shoulders are like, uh, you know, and, and everything else. So um, if, if all checks out, I think his stock will really boost, but if it doesn't, you know, I think you'll see him fall. Well, Bobby, we're going to end it right there. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Of course, if you are not on the scarletnation.com message boards, get on there right now. We have a free board. You just have to register, start posting, start interacting with the other fans. If you'd like to bump things up a notch and be part of our insider community, join the round table. That's our premium offerings for a low, low, low subscription fee. You can interact with Bobby, Sean, Richie, myself, our entire staff, get the inside scoop with our premium articles and chatted up with us on that message board. So until next time, folks, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to the Scarlet Nation podcast. Don't drive through Tennessee. Stay away from Tennessee. Tennessee.